from the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach. You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LaVica. All right, so flat out wrestling fans, this is going to be awesome. Uh, and uh, this is for me, and I, I said this when, when Paul White was on a couple of weeks ago. I'm 37 years old, and so uh, I don't mean to date uh, people who join this uh, this show uh, from a, a wrestling perspective, uh, but if I'm 37, they're getting up there as well because that means that they were in my prime wrestling era. But it is a pleasure to jo- uh, be joined by one of the best wrestlers of all time. He is the face of AEW, and he is going to be at Rampage Friday, and then there's AEW Dynamite Saturday in Miami, AEWTicks.com. The great Chris Jericho joins us here on Ken Levick Alive. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it. I'm sorry if I nerd out too hard with this whole thing. Uh, now, you're over on the, the west side of the state. How do you get in? Do you just drive over to Miami? How does this work for you? Uh, I take a horse and buggy, uh, cool. kind of going back to the old days, cool. being one with nature and that's that sort of thing. So I'm going to be leaving in about 20 minutes to get there in time for <laughs> Thursday, uh, Friday night. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> hey, you set up your schedule well. That's good pre-planning. I, um, I need to ask you about this because the last time that AEW was in Miami, that's when you guys finally got back out on the road and Dynamite came down. Uh, and uh, it was awesome. I mean, a great show. But you come out, and I didn't catch it at first. I look up, and I see you throwing stiff shots at somebody. And I'm like, what is going on? And someone had jumped out from the crowd. When did you notice that something weird was happening with you coming up the entrance ramp? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> with all the experience that I've had, I mean, you can see somebody coming from a mile away. Uh, and the, the advice here is, if you're listening... Uh, and you think it's fun to come <laughs> just wander into the ring, please don't, because it never ends well for the guys. Um, yeah, I, I saw the guy kind of coming in. He, he actually went on the rampway. He was wearing sunglasses, just threatening. And, you know, whenever you see someone come in with sunglasses, you know, okay, this guy's just an idiot. So <laughs> he started walking towards the ring, and then when the security came, and then the closer you get, the, the, the easier it is to take a, a shot at the guy. So... We did that. We got rid of him. We thought he was actually fairly dangerous. So uh, you, you never know what's going to happen. But it just shows that people are very excited when they come to our, our shows. And actually, that night was the first time AEW had been back on the road um, with, with full fans since the whole lockdown. So it was a, it was a monumental night that night in Miami. And it's going to be the same this week. We're not just one but two shows on Friday and Saturday. Yep, Rampage on Friday, Dynamite on Saturday, AEWTix.com, AEWTix.com. So I uh, I call college football, and so the team that I call, Florida Atlantic, they're on a bye week, so uh, I have a, uh, a marriage contractually obligated vacation weekend with the family coming up. Uh, so I'm not going to be able to go down there. But I've already told my wife that while we're driving, uh, as soon as the buy-in pre-show comes on Friday and Brian Danielson and Suzuki end up heading to the ring, she's driving so I can watch it on uh, uh, on YouTube. It just seems like... Uh, it, it, Tony Khan seems like just a wrestling nerd who's able to do these things and book these matches that satisfy his like wrestling urges. How would you personify Tony Khan? I would say more of a, of, of a wrestling genius, if, if, if anything. Um, he's very, very smart. And that was one of the big things when we started talking about 
um, about doing AEW. A lot of people were, were kind of saying, oh, it's a, it's, it's a money mark, as, 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 as the guys would say. Just some dude, like you mentioned, maybe some kind of a wrestling nerd that just has a lot of money that wants to start a company. It's not that at all. He's really, really smart, and it's almost very fateful that all this happened. And it couldn't really work without Tony Khan because he sees things uh, from a long-term point of view because he remembers what he liked yeah. when he was a wrestling fan, as do I. So there's a real good uh, kind of relationship between us because you still have to be a fan of the sport to really understand it and really uh, take advantage of all the, the great things that can happen. If you're not a fan, if you're from the outside world, it, it never works out because you really have to walk the tightrope between uh, appealing to wrestling fans and also not insulting wrestling fans, which is also very easy to do. Uh, the Inner Circle with Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara. They take on the men of the year, Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, Junior DeSantos, Dan Lambert, and Jorge Masvidal are going to be uh, on the outside of the ring as well. That'll happen on Rampage on Friday. And don't forget Dynamite on Saturday. It's rare that Miami gets two premier back-to-back wrestling shows, and it happens this weekend. AEWTix.com. AEWTix.com. Dot com. I need to ask you about your, your entrance music because it's arguably now the most recognizable in wrestling, Judas, and that's, that's you. Like That's your band. That's Fozzie that, that performs that. Uh, did you make that specifically to be your entrance theme? How did you come to that decision? And then to hear no. Austin, Texas sing it a cappella to you, what does that feel like? Yeah, they did it last week in Philly, too. Um, it's really crazy. That song was a hit right out of the gate back in 2017. Uh, it was number one for weeks on Amazon and, and iTunes. It got to number five on the Billboard Rock charts. Uh, what happened was in 2018, I went to Japan to wrestle in the Tokyo Dome, and I didn't have a ring song. It was my first <laughs> match that I'd done outside of WWE, so I thought, well... We're trying to get a gig in Japan, so maybe if I play a Fozzie song in front of 50,000 people at the Dome, maybe there'll be a promoter there who hears it and decides they want to bring us over. Uh, it worked out so well. It was the perfect vibe for a ring song for me. So I just said, listen, I'm going to use this from now on. And when I started working with AEW, we licensed it, and that was basically how it all started. Where it really became a thing was on my cruise last year, where uh, people started singing it on the boat as I was walking to the ring, <laughs> every word. And we never uh, encouraged it or, or expected it. And that's kind of where it all started, and it just continued from there to where now it's one of the centerpieces of the AEW live experience is coming down to sing Judas with everybody who's there. Like you said, whether you're in Austin, Texas, or whether you're in Philadelphia, or whether you're in Timbuktu, people are singing it and enjoying it. So it is a really cool moment that just happened organically. And that's why it works. We didn't try and force it down anybody's throats. Uh, when we did the thing where they sang it a cappella in Austin, there was no lyrics on the screen. There was no lyric sheets underneath that go on your phone. It was just, let's just see what happens. And it happened. People were, were, were up for it and, and just enjoying the whole moment. So uh, that's what you want in wrestling is to create something organically. We've done that, and that's become a highlight of our shows. 
the legend Chris Jericho with us here. Ken Levick alive. Uh, I am Jericho on Twitter, uh, though many of you probably already know that. And AEW taking over Miami, AEWTix.com for Rampage and Dynamite Friday and Saturday and massive cards uh, with uh, with both of those. I You mentioned uh, going over to Japan, that in-between uh, with you uh, leaving WWE and then between the time that you headed to AEW, that reckless run you had through Japan where you're just wrecking stars and attacking stars and doing that whole thing, that sort of seemed like a reinvention for you. Uh, how did you consume that run in Japan that you had before AEW really got tuned up? Yeah, I mean, it's what I've done my whole career is, is kind of uh, reinvent myself and evolve. Um, and I think that was just basically... I watched a lot of Bruiser Brody, um, and I just yeah. thought, I'm just going to go over there and just be crazy. And obviously, I'm not six foot six like like Brody <laughs> was, but at six feet tall in the modern era in Japan, I was one of the biggest guys. Sure. And I thought I'm just going in here. That's where the pain maker started, which is where I had uh, so, some some makeup on and just completely reckless because I was thinking, what would a serial killer look like <laughs> if they if they became a wrestler? And that's what I was going for, and just really. I mean, I headlined the Tokyo Dome three years in a row, 18, 19, and 20, uh, as a result of this character just taking off because I know that people in Japan appreciate just the wild and crazy lunatics, um, and that's what I did. And it was really, really uh, beneficial to where I brought the Painmaker character over to AEW. We abused it a few times here. I've created a very successful NFT series using the pain maker. So uh, it's just one of those ideas. You just If you're constantly evolving and changing, it's the David Bowie uh, idea. Never do the same thing twice. Always keep who you are as the foundation, but just add more layers to it. And you'll always keep people guessing and always keep them excited about what you're doing. I just, I absolutely loved that, and it, it really set the base for AEW. And so, I want to talk about the labors of Jericho now, and I want to start with MJF because when AEW reached out and said, "Hey, you guys want another AEW guest?" I was like, "Sure." And there was a thought in my mind: if it was MJF, like, am I going to have to? Because I've never seen him outside of kayfabe. Like, it's always been him, the the jerk. And uh, he is the best heel in the business right now. And that run you had with MJF was awesome. What What is he like? Forget wrestling. What is he like just being around? Well, I mean, he's a jerk. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that's, that's how he is. Uh, he's, he's kind of like the precocious know-it-all kid from high school, but he's one of our biggest stars. And, you know, we just finished a year-long storyline with him uh, where it catapulted him to the next level. And, you know, that, that's what you need is people who really tap into those characters and really feel them. And, I mean, you mentioned Dan Lambert, uh, the, the head of America's Top Team, which is the biggest uh, UFC uh, training camp in America. That's who we're facing this week because Lambert is such a great heel. Uh, he's kind of almost topping MJF at this point in time. Uh, people just hate him. We were in Philly last week. You couldn't hear a word that he said. He had so much heat. So, you know, that's why we have Junior Dos Santos this Friday, UFC, former UFC champion, 
in his very first wrestling match with Jorge Masvidal, who's probably the biggest star in UFC to date in his corner, uh, facing Chris Jericho and, and my band of Merry Men. So you, when you tap into those characters and get people involved and connected into the story, that's the most important thing. And whether it's Jericho versus MJF, which was a huge success, or Jericho versus these UFC lunatics, which has been a huge success so far as well, it's all because people are buying into the stories that we're telling and the characters that we're portraying. Uh, so I, I, there are, and I've spent a lot of time in NFL locker rooms, NBA locker rooms. There are just people that look imposing, and you're like, man, like that 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 person is just is, is scary. They're so big, and sometimes they seem unhinged. Uh, Nick Gage is one of those for me. Nick Gage, the uh, the 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 face of the death match, and you, one of your labors of Jericho is going against him, and we're talking uh, uh, tables, and we're talking light rods, and we're talking blood, and the whole thing. Nick Gage seems. Unhinged. I know that's his persona, but also if you watch Dark Side of the Ring, which you narrate on Vice, uh, he is unhinged outside of the ring. Uh, what is it like being around him? Uh, how do you prepare yourself for a match like that where you know that there is going to be significant pain here? Well, once again, it's all part of the story that we were telling. And, and for that night, uh, Nick Gage was the perfect foil. And it was part of the, the labors of Jericho that we did with MJF to where he was trying to pull all these roadblocks in my way and kind of brought in our mercenary, a bounty hunter of Nick Gage, who is uh, the king of the death match. And what is a death match? Like you mentioned, so it's an ultra-violent uh, pro wrestling match. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know you're going to be paying the price. Obviously, uh you know, having light tubes broken over your head or, uh, you know, taking falls into tempered broken glass. Um, something I'd never done before and I'll never do again, but for that night it was perfect for the story. It turned out great. It's uh, kind of become a modern-day deathmatch classic seen by more people than any other deathmatch ever. So I think it was a huge success. It added to the intrigue. It drew the ratings and more importantly, continued the storyline of MJF and I. So I don't have a problem doing those types of things if the story calls for it and if it adds to what you're doing. If you're out there doing it just to be, just to have the gratuitous violence of it, then maybe not quite the same vibe, but I really enjoyed uh, that night, even though, um, you know, still have scars from it. There's a pizza cutter scar on my bicep that uh, will be there forever as a result. But, um, you know, it's kind of what I do. I guess I'm just kind of too crazy to really worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the, the pizza cutter uh, thing was just, I, I mean, I, I was sitting there, and I'm like, what is Jericho doing right now? Like, why you, didn't, you don't have to do that, and you decided to do it, and that's ultimate respect there. But 2021 Jericho compared to 2003 Jericho, how much longer does it take your body to recover from things like that? I, I, I never fell into that trap. It, it really doesn't. I mean, I don't wrestle. 2003 Jericho was probably having 180, 200 matches a year. Yeah. Uh, modern day Jericho is probably doing about 20 a year. But the point being is that those matches all count. They're all big matches. And they're all matches that are important. So, um, yeah, I mean, does it hurt? It always hurt. You know, and you always woke up the next day. But I'm probably in better shape now than I was then just because of the yoga, the kickboxing, the stretching regimens that I do, my training has changed. It's not how much you bench anymore. Now it's, like I said, going in there and doing, you know, six rounds of six minutes for kickboxing, you know, on a daily basis. That kind of loosens you up a lot more. Sure. So um, 
Are you sore? Yeah, I'm sore, but I, I'm not uh, falling to this trap. Like, oh, my God, I'm getting old. This hurts. I don't ever <laughs> think that way. So, to me, it's it's no worse than it's ever been. Um, I just, you know, just have more time to heal in between because the matches are, are more far between, but they're still just as important as an, and as hard-hitting when I'm in there as they need to be. Uh, again, AEW Rampage Friday, AEW Dynamite Saturday, uh, and uh, one of the the sneaky great venues for wrestling in the Southeast is the James L. Knight Center downtown Miami. AEWTicks.com, and I was checking it out today, and uh, tickets are, are going quickly, especially the combo tickets for both, and there's a combo ticket special, so you want to jump on at AEWTicks.com. There are ridiculous cards on both Rampage and Dynamite. One final question, and I mentioned you narrate uh, Vice's Dark Side of the Ring. When you're doing this uh, and and you're laying down the voiceovers, are there any of them where, because some of them are just so, so beyond belief, where you're like, this is really bleeped up. Like, I can't believe this actually happened. Um, what, what, What happened there? Uh, well, just when you're when you're narrating these things, whether it's the oh, the yeah, plane ride from hell or or any of the stories, are you yeah. just like, God, this is depressing? Well, I, it, you know, some of them are depressing. Some of them are just informational. I mean, when we did the the show about doing the wrestling extravaganza in Korea yeah. earlier this season, or I mean, you know, some of them are depressing, but they're also kind of historical. The, the Pillman stories, the Dynamite Kid stories, the Owen stories. Uh, I I really enjoy seeing these stories told by the families themselves. And that's how I got involved in the first place was I knew the producers um, were doing things for the right reasons and doing these shows the right way. They're not sensationalistic. They're telling the tale. Uh, and that to me is why I, I enjoy watching these shows because a lot of the guys like uh, Chris Cameron, for example, never really got his due as how influential he was uh, to the business. And I think when you see this, show obviously his life came to a sad end but there was um uh, positives to it and you never knew that yeah so you know the story is over you know chris died 10 years ago for example the fact we're able to tell these stories properly with the guys who were there it does bring us a spotlight back and show a lot of good as well and kind of almost a lot of closure for a lot of people and educating a lot of wrestling fans to a how influential these guys were and how hard it is to be in this business uh, and all the things you have to deal with. So overall, it's a very informative, informational show. And, uh, you know, I enjoy doing the narrations for it. I don't see the shows until they air on, on Vice, the finished product, but I still enjoy being a part of them for, for the work that I do for them. It's really, really well done. Again, Chris Jericho, you'll see him on Friday. He is on that stacked Rampage card. Friday, Saturday, Rampage and Dynamite, AEWTicks.com, AEWTicks.com. Jericho, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to another great show in Miami. Appreciate it, man. Always great to be there, and we're looking forward to this to be a great weekend. All right, that is Chris Jericho, the legend here on Ken Levick Alive. And again, it'll be Jericho, the inner circle with Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara taking on Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, Junior Dos Santos, but also Friday at Rampage. Uh, you've got CM Punk that is on the card. Ruby Soho is on the card. But the buy-in, the YouTube show, before it goes on the air on TNT, 
Brian Danielson and Minoru Suzuki. If you're a wrestling fan, that is a dream match right there, just like Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega was a couple of weeks ago in New York, and it all happens in Miami. AEWTix.com, AEWTix.com. I appreciate you letting me be a nerd for 15 minutes' time. We'll go back to being sports nerds after being sports entertainment nerds when we come back. He's Captain Confident Joe Rigotti. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.